Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend. Welcome back to Women Encouraged. It's good to have you here today. What would you say your relationship is with the concept of feminism? Do you describe yourself as a Christian feminist? And why would that be? Today, I'm talking with my friend Summer Yeager, co-host of the show Sheologians, and a woman who is passionate about loving the Lord with her heart, soul, mind, and strength. I am so encouraged by Summer and the way she approaches this topic of feminism She is determined to seek the Lord in all things, and it really shows as she kind of uncovers for us the issues with feminism, why we as Christian women can be so susceptible sometimes and so blind to the problems that feminism presents us, and how we can cultivate conversations about these issues and speak persuasively, but also stand firm on scriptural truth. Before we get started with summer, though, I want to say a really big thank you to our donors and our Patreon sponsors for helping keep this podcast going. You are an enormous gift to us, and we praise God for the opportunity to link arms with you and share weekly episodes of encouragement for Christian living with our listeners. Let's get started now with summer. Today, it's a joy to welcome Summer Yeager. I'm so happy to have you here, Summer. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Would you introduce yourself? Some people listening are not going to be familiar with you. So just tell us who you are. Sure. And share your story if you like. Yeah. So I don't know if I have much of a story. My name is Summer Yeager. Like you said, I have a husband. I have four little ones and another little one on the way. And you probably invited me on the show because I also have a podcast um, geared towards women called Sheologians. It's a terrible pun. I did not think when (laughs) we started the podcast that um, we were going to be where we are today. So we, my friend Joy and I, um, you know, she has been in podcasting for longer than I have. Um, She's a co-host on a show called Apologia Radio. She had been doing that for a few years, and um, basically, the there's a producer for a studio who was we were hanging out with all together one night, and we made him laugh a lot. And he said, "You guys should have a podcast." <laughs> and so <laughs> we thought it over, and you know, we both agreed that we didn't feel at that time. This was back in 2016. We weren't aware of podcasts that we felt like was for us. Like I just didn't feel like anything that I was listening to was specifically geared towards someone like me. Um, and so we thought, well, maybe, maybe there's a little, you know, crevice there that we can do that. Um, we can make a podcast, um, for women who, you know, feel the same way we do about a lot of things. And so, yeah, we originally were a micro podcast. We were really aiming to be just a short 15 minutes encouragement to your day. Um, 
that made you laugh and made you think about something through a biblical worldview. And the number one complaint after us laughing too much was that our podcast was too short. <laughs> so if you listen to us now, you'll find that um, we are not a 15 minute podcast. No, um, not at all. But, um, you know, so we've just been really blessed over the last, I guess it's it's been over three years now. That's weird. Um, you know, we've had millions of downloads. We did not expect that. We just really wanted to be faithful Christian women talking about the world in a way that would get other Christian women to be excited about having a biblical worldview and encouraged um, and emboldened in having a biblical worldview. And so really no discussion is off limits. And I mean, that's what we do. So, you know, tomorrow we'll be um, right now we're talking about environmentalism and creation. I didn't expect mm-hmm. that to have such a positive um, feedback, but it really has. Um, and then we're also going to be doing an episode soon on conspiracy theories. Um, so we we run we run a wide gamut of topics, and um, we just w- want to be as faithful as possible with it. Yeah, that's it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, and I'm not like I'm not a diehard. Um, every week I'm listening, but it's like my companion in the laundry room. But I I do love it because you do have this wide variety of topics and also because you really are not shy about saying what you believe. So it's like, even if someone doesn't completely agree with you on every theological nuance, which I kind of hate the word nuance, but if, if you're not totally on board with everything, you can still find so much that really does bless you and enriches your life because the commitment to God's truth is there. And that's really the thing that unites us ultimately anyway. Okay. So yeah, I loved hearing that, that about what inspired this. And you guys have a blog too, right? Yeah. So I blog sometimes when I, when I can, mm-hmm. you know, in my quote unquote spare time right. <laughs> um, between, you know, homeschooling and working and all that other stuff. But yeah, yeah so occasionally I write, um, mostly I tweet. I, I think that's kind of where I can spend the most time right now Mm. (laughs) um, in putting thoughts out there. But yeah, you can listen to the podcast or read the blog um, at sheologians.com. Nice. And also that name is pretty inspired, I think. (laughs) Oh, man. The questions I've had to answer over the years, it's truly, it's truly been just a funny, a funny joke. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. And especially because I think somebody who initially hears that name is going to think, oh, they're probably, you know... I don't know. Feminist. Feminist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that a dirty yes. word? No, but actually yes. that's one thing that we're here to talk about is you guys have tackled a lot of the issues with feminism. And that's one of my favorite things is that you're not shy about diving in there and dealing with that. You've been very pointed in making the case that feminism is contrary to scripture. I just want to, yeah. I want to riff on this with you for a bit and just talk about why you feel that way and, and what scripture is directing you to believe in that, which by the way, is something I completely agree with. I will not ever refer <laughs> to myself as a feminist. You're not going to hear that sure. from me. So I don't mean that to sound like, um, you know, please state your case so I can debate with you. But I, I want to hear, I do think you're very clear. I think you have a great way of articulating this. So yeah. take it away, Summer. Yes. So there's there's so, so much that can be said about this. And, and we have dedicated, I think, somewhere around just 20 hours of audio 
just on this topic alone. So I want to be careful to people who, you know, potentially do think of themselves as feminists. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it would be fair um, t- for us to just, you know, say, well, feminism is bad and that is it. I think that we have definitely wanted to explain from a biblical worldview and also historically how we would arrive at the position that feminism is not something that um, Christians should call themselves. If I were to put it in a sentence, um, I would basically say that um, because we're Christians, because we have the word of God, that you don't need feminism Mm -hmm. because feminism essentially has to borrow from a Christian worldview to make its case. Um, What you have in scripture, what you have as a view of women in scripture is a higher view than feminism can have. And so really, I think if you are adopting a feminist way of looking at the world, you're actually lowering your standards because the standard that scripture gives you for how to view women is the highest. And I say that because scripture tells us that women are made in the image of God. Um, You really can't get a better (laughs) label or view of womanhood than to say something like that. Right. I mean, you know, what an incredible claim that is. Um, And so I really think that, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about all of the waves of feminism for, for the reason that um, feminism is a, big tent. So you can't just say, people will try to say, feminism is just the belief that women are equal to men. Right. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, because that is more what I tend to hear in my neck of the woods. <laughs> it's like, sure. well, of course I'm a feminist because I believe women are equal with men. So yeah, I'd love to hear how you would answer right. that for them. Right. So my answer to that would be, well, a lot of horrible things have been done to women in the name of feminism. Right. Um, so I don't even believe that, that that's a great standard to hold. And ultimately, um, in order to believe that feminism is a good thing because it makes women equal to men, then you have to think I, one of two things. You have to think that men and women are ultimately interchangeable, therefore flattening the value of each gender to just all sameness. But also there's the issue of, you know, I'm a Christian, so I believe that men and women have value because they're made in the image of God. If you're not a Christian, then why does it matter? Ultimately, who gets to say which gender is more valuable? Who gets to say, you know, why does it matter that they're equal? Why does it even matter? What does equality matter? Um, And so in in this conversation, you hear a lot about equality and sameness. And from a Christian worldview, I have an issue with feminism going all the way back to the beginning. I think a lot of people think of the first wave of feminists as, you know, some nice old grandmas. Right. But ultimately, they were also arguing for an egalitarian view of the genders. And if you look at the kind of um, faith traditions they were a part of, many of them were Quakers who already had women as elders Mm -hmm. in their churches. So we're not talking about a movement that was rooted in a biblical worldview um, already from the start. And so one of the problems that I have with feminism, and obviously it's changed throughout the years. And again, you know, saying what is feminism is kind of like saying, what is Christianity? Well, you know, 
are we talking about Roman Catholics? <laughs> right, <laughs> are we talking right. about uh, Mormons who say they're Christians? Um, are we talking about um, mainline Presbyterians? Because I don't have a lot in common with any of the groups that I just named. So um, I want to be fair to people who want to call themselves feminists, because I think a lot of the times when we're talking about Christians who want to call themselves feminists, um, they believe that what they're saying is something that's just a net positive. So yeah. although, you know, abortion rights were fought for in the name of feminism, and although a lot of feminists have a theology that we can't agree with, I think what a, a lot of Christians are saying is, well, they just want to say something good about women. We want to affirm the goodness of women. But I again, my big problem with that is that if you're a Christian, you already have the highest standard by which to say that women are valuable. And so replacing it with something that's worldly um, is just not a practice that Christians should be participating in. Yeah. I think that really at its core, um, what we end up with is a lot of women who are afraid that scripture is insufficient for us in this regard. And I mean, I don't know what your experience has been because I think you live in Arizona and I obviously live in Canada. And so our, you know, we have a different culture here. So I find when I talk to women, a lot of what I run into is this idea that we need something plus the Bible to give us an understanding of the value of women instead of saying, actually God's word is sufficient for all life and practice and worth and value. Um, That's where we draw everything from. So Like, why is it, though? I mean, aside from the fact that we have this issue where, you know, my husband and I frequently look at each other and we're like, do they even read their Bible? Like, are you reading the actual Bible? Because when you run into people, for example, like Jen Hatmaker, who are using, they use scripture as their supposed standard, but they're not actually using scripture. Right. So other than the fact that we're not reading our Bibles, is there, I mean, not other than the fact that is the (laughs) (laughs) that's the biggest problem here but i mean why is it that we're so susceptible is there something in our um our feelings of need or um just an inherent blindness to this that that we're just susceptible to the issues of feminism and and drawn into this like yes what's going on here yes so i i absolutely think that one of the big big problems that we have and obviously i agree with you that we need to be in the word. And and that is something that will absolutely change Christianity and its effect on itself and the world. Um, if right. we have people yeah. that are reading the Bible. Um, also, I think one of the, the, the weaknesses that we have been displaying for a long time is that we don't actually make any connections between, you know, cute little Sunday so- Sunday school songs for our kids and real life application. Yeah. So I think what we see yeah. a lot of is we see parents that essentially their children are being discipled more by their school, their television, and their peers than they are by the word of God. And yeah. when that happens, we cannot be surprised when the church essentially has an entire generation of Christians that leave the faith. Um, And I think a lot of Christians, what we have failed to be able to do is, you know, the number one, the number one thing I see with Christian women that want to identify as feminist is they want to seem loving 
And so I Mm. thought to myself, why would you have to adopt a feminist worldview to seem loving? Well, the answer is because Christians don't believe that the worldview that we have is really that loving. We don't believe that it's really that kind. So what we have failed to do in our churches is disciple our people in how it is that God's world, God's law, God's rules, his standards are the absolute best standards. We don't believe that. And we haven't taught people how to see that. Um, I think we've bought the lie that the God of the Old Testament was just this angry, wrathful God, right? Right. Right. And so what we what we essentially say when we say that is that all the laws that he gave, they were just harsh and unloving and really intense and they have nothing to do with us. So we fail to make this connection between God as creator who knows what's best for his creation. Now, I'm not arguing that we all stop eating shellfish, but that's the problem (laughs) is that a lot of times when you talk to Christians about the Old Testament, they actually think, oh no, is she about to tell me to start to stop eating shellfish? <laughs> right. And that, and that seems to be very common in, in my circles up here. It's like, well, you don't understand, you know, and, and it is really, so it's in theological terms, it's called Marcionism. That, right. That the God of the Old Testament is a completely different God of the New Testament, somewhere between Malachi and Matthew. He took his right. happy pills or whatever, and right. now he's got a personality switch. Right. Um, and now we're all so much better off. But right. um, and, and this misunderstanding that Jesus actually came displaying the Father's character. That's right. And and he is the perfect representation of God from Genesis to Revelation. That's right. Where where is that coming from though? Is it just because we want to make God in our own image? Um, and so we get this situation in the church where we feel like God needs a makeover. We have to make him palatable to um, right. to our culture. What's going on there? Right. Well, again, I think it is a a failure on the church's part to really disciple its people in, in the, in what you were just talking about. And the fact that Jesus, Jesus was just as active in the old Testament as he is in the new. And if you don't believe that, if you don't know that, then you haven't really been discipled in the teachings of scripture at all. Jesus didn't come into being <laughs> um, in the book of Matthew. Jesus right. has always been, he has been, you know, John 1, 1 tells us he was in the beginning with God and he is God and he was God <laughs> and he's always been here. And so I think that part of the problem is that we are afraid of these we're afraid of the Old Testament. We're afraid of God's law. We're afraid to um, look at it and to really see who he is. But one of the most encouraging things for me over the last few years is to see the way that God speaks, the way that Jesus speaks of His of the law, the way that Jesus speaks in the New Testament um, about, you know, he, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And you see the New Testament writers speaking very favorably um, of God's laws and his standards as something that um, are actually beautiful. And so I just love how if you really start to study the law, you see God's character in the way that he puts protections in place for women. The women of Israel were to be protected and cared for in a way that no other neighboring nation at the time ever would have protected their women. Um, but because we're historically kind of lame, 
we don't see that. Um, and so we are very easy prey for people that want to make the shellfish argument. We're very easy prey for all of it. And we're very embarrassed by all of it. But when in reality, when you get a good grasp of what God is doing, the way that he commands us to love each other, to love our neighbors, to honor him, to protect each other, even to, you know, he has very specific laws for how we're to care for the animals in our care. God's law is very loving. It's very kind. And if we believe Jesus, we believe that um, his yoke is easy and his burden is light and obeying him is a blessing. And I just think we're missing a lot of that discussion in our churches today. We're afraid of it. We're ashamed of it. We don't want to sound like legalists. And so right. we don't, you know, we don't want to say these things. And so what that leaves us with is a lot of people who would rather subscribe to something as dark as feminism, because feminism really has been dark. Right. You know, the the influence it's had on the many millions of babies that have been ripped from the womb is is awful and is horrifying. But Christians are more easily swayed by something like feminism than they are a lot of times, I think, by God's law. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. One of the things I was thinking when you were talking about um, our misunderstandings of God's law, you do hear the phrase a lot in you know evangelical circles, well, we're under grace. And there's this misunderstanding of what that actually means that right. to, to be under grace means that you know, when you were under law, you couldn't help but disobey. And now under grace, because Jesus has come, because we have the Spirit, um, now we actually do have the ability with okay. the help of the Holy Spirit to obey. Okay. And then and then there's also this misunderstanding, again, another big theological word, so that's antinomianism. Um, it's this idea that, well, we don't need the law anymore at all. Right. And so, you know, we've got this this understanding that God's law in the Old Testament is bad, and it was only because that was the only way, you know, you could be acceptable. But it, like you said, it was for protection. God's law is for protection. You know, Jesus fulfilled the law, but it doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments goes away. You know, it doesn't mean that you stop not being allowed to murder. Like now you're allowed to somehow murder or now you're allowed to, to slander or whatever. It's that Jesus fulfilled every ceremonial law that kept us separated from God. You know, instead of now being reminded of, of our distance from God because of the, the ceremonial laws, now we're reminded because of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that we've been brought near because of Jesus. Yes. And, and I think it's important too that we see over and over the way that we should treat the law in the New Testament is right. that the the writers of the New Testament appeal to the law all the time. You know, you have the reminder from Paul in the book of Ephesians. He said, you know, he he says that children should obey their parents in the Lord. <laughs> um, yeah. This is this is a repeat. Um, and then you have in the sermon that, you know, that Jesus gives where, you know, he takes it even a step further. You know, right. you've been told not to murder. But here's how you're guilty of that in your heart. Yeah. So the law hasn't, it's not that the law doesn't exist anymore. It's that through Jesus, we are no longer condemned by the law yeah. because he fulfilled it in our place. And so something that I think we haven't been talking about and um, a lot of people don't want us to talk about is, you know, we absolutely believe along with Paul that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith and that it's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God yes. and that it's not a result of works. But you have to keep reading. So that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But you have verse 10 that says, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Yes. So this faith that we have and this ability to do these works, they're not of our own. This is not something that we can do. It's not something we can generate. But we were absolutely created for these good works through Christ Jesus. And so it's not that works are not a part of our life anymore. Works absolutely are a part of our life. And we're told right there in Ephesians that part of the reason, like we were created for this, we were created for this work. And so I think a lot of people are afraid to, again, to say that because you you get accused of all kinds of things. We experience that all the time. Well, and if somebody is listening to this right now and they think like, oh, they're teaching legalism, let's just be really clear. Legalism is in order to be accepted, you obey. As a Christian, though, because you are accepted in Christ, you obey. obey. And those are completely different scenarios. So that's absolutely right. It's such an important um, distinction to get and to make. Because you are Um, under grace, you can obey. Like, yeah, that's right. We're called to obey. Jesus says, if we love him, we will obey him. And so I really think a lot of what is happening you know, I I don't know what kind of church you go to. I don't know, you know, and I have a lot of listeners that don't go to the same kind of church that I do. Right. But what I'm running into a lot is we have a lot of women who, um, we know that we should be in the word, but we fail to be in the word and we know what obedience looks like, but we fail to do that. And a lot of it, I think is really just a lack of belief that, Jesus is that what he said was true, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Following Jesus, obedience to Jesus really is a joy and it really is a freedom. And so whenever I hear people say things like, well, you know, I, I've been around legalists and, you know, it was so exhausting, you know, being told all the time to obey. I just can't help but think, well, I don't know who you were obeying because obeying right. Jesus is not drudgery. Right. Um, you know, it's not drudgery. It's a joy. And we're told that, you know, in Psalm 16, that um, walking with Jesus, there's pleasure forevermore in that. And yeah. and you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, then you're really not believing in basic scripture. Right. And I mean, this kind of goes back to needing to be in the word. And I, yeah. I do love how we've started off with this conversation about feminism. <laughs> we ended up all the way over and talking about legalism. And now we're back out of here. But um, it, it's all it, all, it is all so connected. And really how you think about God and his word informs literally everything, including yeah. how you think about yourself, how you think about yourself as a woman. One of the things that I run into is this idea that, oh, yeah, we do need to unhitch from the Old Testament because, like I said, like God is angry in the Old Testament. The law is bad. Right. It's It's a hindrance to us and all that. But when you get into something like Psalm 119, and I love how Tim Challey's expresses this, that the reason that David can say, oh, how I love your law, it's my meditation, is because the law is a description to us of God and his character. And as a Christian woman, I have the freedom to obey God and to agree with him in his word, not being an authority over God's word, where I say, I decide if this is good, I decide if this fits with my life, but to go to his word, because I can't agree with God if I don't know what he says. So. 
I have got to be going to the word and saying, okay, God, what do you say? Oh, yes, I'm going to choose to agree with you. As Christian women, we've got to be cultivating conversations about these issues yeah, and standing firm on the truth of scripture. But also we need to speak persuasively, which is, I think, one of those hard situations to be in because you're either when you start speaking about this, like, this is what I believe. It's the truth. Somebody's like, you are so dogmatic and I can't handle it. And what do you, what do you do with that summer? How do you, have you been facing that? Yes. I mean, I, I am facing that all of the time. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the times the most stringent opposition that you're going to get, um, is from other people within the church. Um, I, I can't really explain why that is. I think a lot of it is just um, we live in a time where it's super, super easy to disagree with people when you don't have to look at them in the face. And so social media has opened that up quite a bit. This is why I don't do Twitter. And I, right. I really do admire you for being able to handle Twitter. But every time I go on, I'm like, I, I evidently yeah. I needed my blood pressure to be raised. Yes. Yes. It can be very stressful. And and I I tend to take a very hopefully optimistic view on this, which is just that um, if you're trying to be a witness and you're trying to speak to people and really just encourage them towards um, believing what the Bible has to say and reading the Bible, um, I know very well that you're going to get a lot of opposition from Christians. I know that's hard to believe, but just this week I was telling people, hey, you need to read your Bible. You need to believe it. You need to live it out. And I had a lot of opposition from Christians because we really do have this faulty understanding of uh, what we should do now that we are saved. Mm. (laughs) Um, A lot of people are still stuck on what must I do to be saved. And, Mm. but now that we are saved, what must I do? And those are two different questions with two different answers. Yeah, And so I really think that one of the problems that we run into is um, that we just care too much what other people think. I, I really think I really want to encourage Christians to just get out there and be faithful. Just be faithful. If you are speaking faithfully, it, it really doesn't matter what kind of opposition you get. It really doesn't matter who's upset. Just be faithful. You know, when Jesus spoke, a lot of times... Um, it wasn't because he was being contentious that he was chased out of town. Um, he was being godly and he was still chased out of town. He wasn't yeah. being sarcastic or rude or mean. And he was chased out of town by the religious people of his day. And so I think a lot of times we refuse to be like Jesus in that way um, mm-hmm. because we're afraid that if people are upset that we haven't been faithful, but that's not necessarily true. Obviously I can't, <laughs> I'm not sitting here and telling you every time you've upset someone on the internet, you were being faithful. I don't know. Maybe right. <laughs> you were. Maybe you weren't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the point is, is that um, we absolutely should not be backing down um, from speaking faithfully at every opportunity that we have. Um, that's why I have a podcast. That's why I put up with drama on Twitter, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be the kind of Christian who is living for the applause or approval of other people. I want to be the kind of Christian that is speaking whenever I can, wherever I can to the glory of God. And so sometimes that means I'm not on Twitter all day because faithfulness for me that day 
might be um, dealing with discipline issues at home, or it might be taking my kids to the park. Sometimes that's the most faithful thing I can be doing Mm -hmm. way more faithful than, you know, being on Twitter, but sometimes it is a very faithful thing to do. And so I can't tell each individual person exactly how to moderate your life. But what I can tell you is that scripture tells us that we have been given all that we need for life and godliness, and you can live and speak faithfully today. And it is going to require some work that you should not be afraid of because you have been told that you were created for good works and that um, you are free unto that. And so I would just encourage Christian women I think a lot of times, you know, we kind of look at what happens on social media and we go, oh, this is bad. This is bad. And you know what? Sometimes it is, but that's really up to you. You you get to go online and you get to, you know, go into evangelistic settings and conduct yourself how you're going to do it, regardless of how other people respond. Right. Yeah, it is. It is very much a lot of the time. It can just be what you make of it. It's like, well, yeah. what, how are you going to choose to use that? It's a medium for communication. It's a it's a tool. But I mean, how are you going to use it? And right. um, and that's part of the fun of freedom in Christ when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. I think one thing that is really helpful in the conversation about feminism is to really pay attention to our sources of truth. And I think that I've found to be the case that a lot of the time, women who are teaching, preaching, whatever you want to call it, obviously false doctrine, stuff that at least even should maybe in the tiniest way uh, raise red flags in your head. Um, What they're not doing is telling you to go to the word. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you, look to scripture to have your opinions and your beliefs formed. I have not seen that. I'm thinking of three specific individuals who are very comfortable with their status, um, very anti-Christian positions. Mm -hmm. At the same time that they're saying that this is what it means to be a Christian now is that you're accepting and you're um, not only accepting, but you're you're celebrating and promoting things that are anti-Christian. But they're never, ever telling you, you go check it out in the word yourself. Go see what I mean. Nobody's ever saying that because they know that if we ever did that, we'd come back and say, well, wait a minute. What about this? So do you have any particular pointers for anybody about evaluating sources of truth? Because you don't want to just stand up there and say, don't listen to this person. <laughs> don't listen to that person. I mean, there are people we need to be saying that about. Right. You know, I, one of my kind of guiding principles has been kind of think about the trajectory that they're on. Where is this ultimately going to land them if they stay on this road? Or who is this pointing to? Do you have any any ideas about that that you'd love to share? Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons why there were, so the first wave of feminists, right? They had some they had some goals that we can absolutely agree with. So some of the things that they were in, uh, they were for um, was they they wanted women to have property rights. Well, great, I do too. They also played a big part in drafting legislation to end slavery in America. And great, I am one hundred percent on board. Why would I not have been a part of their movement had I lived back then? Well, we have very, very different motivations for why we believe these things, and we have very different end goals. And so the ends do not justify the means. Yes. Um, And the reasons why they fought for the things that they fought for were not, we might agree with the 
okay, so slavery is bad. I don't want that to happen. But we might not agree on why. Um, So my reason why is not the same reason as their reason why. Therefore, we're not going to fight the same way. Um, So for instance, one of the, if you read some of the early feminists and their position on marriage and children, we don't agree with. Um, they, a lot of them viewed marriage as institutionalized bondage. Yeah. They did not want to be around their children. They did not really like their children. They saw their children as a burden. Um, so I am not headed down the same path as these women, even though we have some common beliefs. And so really assessing the foundational worldview of who you're listening to is very, very important. And so when we're talking about a lot of people who are famous, you know, deconstructionists, like Jen Hatmaker, she's the easy, obvious one. Yeah, yeah. So when she deconstructed her faith, her foundational presupposition uh, was that through her experience, she could come to a different conclusion on what scripture was saying. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that scripture is true outside of my experiences, outside of me, outside of my feelings. So there's no experience I can have that can change the truth of scripture. And so when you find someone who comes to a new position like she does on issues of homosexuality, um, she came to that position not based on something that she found in scripture, right. but because she decided that she wanted to read scripture differently. She wanted to read it through a different lens. She wanted she wanted her reading of scripture to do something differently. I don't believe that you come to scripture to make it fit your life. You come to scripture so that scripture can change your life. Yes. Um, scripture judges us. We don't judge scripture. And so now I know that anything Jen Hatmaker has to say about scripture, maybe occasionally she'll say something true, like Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. But (laughs) if she were going to tell me, you know, this is what this passage means, or this is Christian behavior, um, I'm going to have to really check that because now I know that her foundational presupposition is that we all kind of can come to our own conclusions about what scripture says based on our experiences. And that's not how you treat the word of the living God. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's a great place to, to end this summer. And I want to just ask you the question that I ask every guest as we close out, what is something that the Lord has been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him? So really the, the big thing that's um, been a part of my life lately is the Bible reading challenge. Yes. Um, so my friend Rachel started a Bible reading challenge in her church and now um, people are, you know, doing the same reading worldwide. So honestly, being in the same passage of scripture, I have women in my church that are doing it as well. And it's just been so encouraging because we get together every week and we discuss what we've been reading. Um, Instead of doing like a book study or a Bible study, that's what we've been doing. And it's been such a huge blessing to just simply be in the word with my sisters in Christ and, and to be discussing it. And I really can't recommend it enough. Um, And the great thing about it, especially for women, I think, and and moms, and, you know, I'm sure this is true for men too, but whatever, I'm not talking to you guys, um, is that it's a very guilt-free plan. So Mm -hmm. I think what you hear a lot from women is, 
jump back you know, in. They, you know, yeah, you've, you know, you've, you started reading Genesis every January of your life and you never got to Revelation, right? But <laughs> the way this plan is built is it's really a guilt-free plan. And, and one of the things that we're always saying to each other is, you know, you're never behind if you're reading today. Yeah. So you just jump back in and really having that um, view of reading scripture has just been such a huge help to me. And I can really see in my sour attitude, you know, the days that I've put it by the wayside and, um, it's very visible. It's very obvious. And so I just, I can't recommend it enough. I think you all should join the Bible reading challenge if you haven't yet and, and, you know, be on the same page with us. Amen to that too. Yes. We're big fans of the, well, fans being just readers of the word, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we had Rachel on, I think, before we kicked off the summer challenge. It's such an important part of what we do here, too. We host our own little kickoffs before each one. Oh, that's so, awesome. yeah, it's really fun. And so we definitely encourage that. I love hearing your perspective on that and just how it's impacted you. So thanks again for joining yeah. me, Summer. It was really great to talk with you. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. I had fun. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to hear more from Summer, you can check out Sheologians anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find them on Facebook as well as on Instagram at the very fun and quirky handle, Have You Had Your Soup Today? Thank you to those of you who have left reviews for the show on iTunes and other platforms. Giving us a rating and review is a great way to help us share encouragement and gospel hope with more women. As always, you can find us on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page as well as on Instagram at Women Encouraged. There's a passage in John 6 where Jesus speaks some challenging words, and many of his followers grumble and take offense, ultimately deciding to walk away from him. Jesus asks the rest of his disciples, do you also want to leave? And Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I know I quote this a lot, but one of the reasons I love this passage is it is a regular reminder that Jesus is the only source of life. Life outside of Jesus isn't life. Knowledge and wisdom that seeks to distance itself from God's Word isn't real knowledge and wisdom. And we won't find answers to real problems of value and identity by setting up our own systems to determine human value and worth. We have to look to the God who created and designed us. We have to seek wisdom from the one who bestows value and identity, the one who saved us and gave us a place to belong. We have to choose to reject the idea that Scripture is not enough to answer these problems. God has provided us with His Word, and He is not ever going to send us to get our answers from the world. Sister, we can offer so much hope to other women about their value as God's image bearers, but we must, must start with God's Word. <laughs>